But I also know this, that kids today are a lot more informed than you and I were. And we were more informed than our parents, but what these kids know today is scary. So I sat him down, I said, look, son, we need to have a little talk about the birds and the bees. And I said, but uh, I know that you and your buddies have already chatted about this, so why don't you do this? Why don't you tell me what you think you know, and I'll just fill in the blank spots. Which seemed rational, till 30 minutes later. <laughs> I'm sitting there with a pen and a pad of paper going... <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, hello folks. Welcome back. Welcome back to Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. That is me. And today's thing we're going to talk about, you know, the title's even icky, right? Your child's sexuality and the law. You know, ill, right? I uh, don't like the two words together, right? Child sexuality. That's not... Not really where I'm at, but I raised three girls, so, right? Little icky, you know, what can I tell you? Um, but today, today we're going to have to talk about that stuff. It's prevalent in the news. People are arguing about it. People are fighting about it. People do not want to talk about this uh, in a rational way, or at all in some cases. I mean, all people do is, all you do is see on the news, parents yelling at school boards, and school boards calling them terrorists, and the DOJ calling parents terrorists. I've never heard of anything in my life. Are you a terrorist? Are you a parent? If you're listening to me, are you a parent? And if you are, do you consider yourself a terrorist? And do you consider your next door neighbor who is a parent and whose kids you like? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Right? Uh, do you consider them a terrorist? Right? Straight up. Think about that word and do you consider them that? Well, that's why we're talking about this. Because if we don't talk about this, people are going to keep being called terrorists for no reason at all. Right? And so we've got to start making some definitions here. And the first definition we're going to talk about is uh, what is gender dysphoria, okay? Because that's the terminology that's being used by schools uh, to affirm uh, children's choices in what they want to be called and how they want to address their own sexuality, you know, at the age of seven, I guess. Uh, it starts, right? I don't know. When does it start? Seven, 11? When did you start talking about sex in school? Um, right? When did you start doing that? Just think about that and then think about what's going on now and you tell me if those two things coincide. That's all you have to do. It's math. I don't have to tell you, right? So gender dysphoria is defined as the distress caused by a discrepancy between a person's gender identity and the one assigned to them at birth. Yep, we don't really need to discuss that, really, any longer. Um, so let's talk about something that people don't know about. Um, FERPA, F. E-R-P-A. It stands for the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, which is a federal law that uh, governs the privacy rights of students with regards to their educational needs. That's all. Right? The law applies to all educational institutions that receive federal funding and provides guidelines for maintaining the privacy and security of student records. So that means public schools, basically. Okay. Uh, under FERPA, parents and eligible students, and they, they make sure that they say this, students over the age of 18 or attending a post-secondary institution have certain rights, including the right to inspect and review their own education records. Okay? I'm reading this right from the law, and where we're getting that from is uh, education.gov. It's not hard, right? You go there, you find your information. You just got to want to go. And if you don't want to go, I'm doing it for you, I promise. 
uh, I didn't want to go either, right? So, right? but I'm doing a podcast, so I'm doing a podcast about things you're not supposed to talk about. Then we go, we go do this. All right, my job. Uh, you can request amendments of their education records, records if they believe information is inaccurate or misleading. Right? So you got a teacher's assessment that says your kid's a class clown. You don't like that, right? We got to change that. We got to hope we can. You can, you can. you can petition to do that. So you have some control over the disclosure of personally identifiable information from their records. Their records, your children's records. All right. FERPA also sets limitations on the disclosure of personally identifiable information from student records and requires students to give parents and eligible students annual notice of their rights under the law. So now they've got to be told about that law every year. All right. Is that, that's pretty clear. Within that law, there are sub-laws. Now, this is where things get a little sticky, right? And, and, it's, and I'm telling you about these laws before I tell you about something that's going on. So we're going to get this out of the way, and then we, know we do our thing, right? So it's called the PPRA, and which is the Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment. So there is an amendment to this, and it's 34 CFR Part 98, right? You don't need to, 98.3 as a matter of fact. How about that? Access to instructional material used in a research or experimental program. Oh, oh. so I'm going to say that the 1619 project is, you know, an experimental program, and it is not affirmed as real curriculum because it has not been, and if it has been, no one's told me. Um. But it's okay if it's a theory, right? We teach Einstein's theory. You want to teach a theory? Go ahead. You know, and if schools don't want to allow that theory, okay. Right? That's not the first time that's ever happened, by the way. It's been happening throughout history for years. If Einstein would have given his theories 300 years ago, he'd have been burned at the stake, period. Okay, they wouldn't even have, we wouldn't even be talking about it. They'd have burned his paperwork too. We never would have heard. So it's all about instructional materials, including the manuals, the films, the tapes, and other supplementary instructional material, right? which is going to be used in connection with any research or experimentation program or project, and it's going to be made for inspection by parents or the guardians of children engaged in such projects. Okay, so um, for this purpose, here are some of those rights specific to the child which are preventative in nature. And this is 98.4. Ready? Protection of students' privacy in examination, testing, or treatment. No student shall be required as part of any program specified in 98.1 A or B, to submit without prior consent to psychiatric examination, testing, or treatment, or psychological examination, testing, or treatment, in which the primary purpose is to reveal information concerning one or more of the following. And here it comes. So they're not a, no one is allowed to talk to your child about any of that stuff if it reveals the following. Their political affiliations their mental and psychological problems potentially embarrassing to the student or if his or her family, sex behavior and attitudes, huh, look at that, illegal, antisocial, self-incriminating and demeaning behavior, critical appraisals of other individuals with whom the student has close family relations, legally recognized privilege and analogous relationships such as those of lawyers, physicians and ministers or... Income other than that required by law to determine eligibility for participation in a program, like receiving financial aid. Right? So there you go. You're not allowed to do any of that. So unless the school requires your student to be psychologically evaluated, they're not required to give that information to anybody. So why is a school counselor talking to kids about their sexuality if the kids are not allowed to give that information without the parents' consent? And why does that seem okay? And how come nobody knows about that law? 
And how come nobody's got this written on a big, like, 20 by 40 card somewhere that they're holding up on a big sign that says, hey, is anybody reading this? I just, you know, I'm confused. And I don't understand why I'm confused because I have children. Well, I have adults, right? But they went to school. None of this was going on. And these laws existed then. So when they say that prior consent must be given, prior consent is equal to prior consent of the student if the student is an adult or emancipated minor. All right. There you go. They have to be an adult. That's 18 or over or an emancipated minor. Okay. So that's probably 16 or over. Uh, prior written consent of the parent or guardian if the student is an unemancipated minor. That means your child. That's what that, that's what that unemancipated minor thing means. means your child. Okay. Uh, as used in paragraph of this section, psychiatric or psychological examination or test means a method of obtaining information, including a group activity, activity that is not directly related to academic instruction and that is designed to elicit information about attitudes, habits, traits, opinions, beliefs, or feelings, and psychiatric or, psych- psychiatric or psychological treatment means an activity involving the planned systemic use of methods or techniques that are not directly related to academic instruction and that is designed to affect behavioral, emotional, or attitudinal characteristics of an individual or group. I want to know why nobody knows that. Because I know I didn't know it, right? But here's what I want to know. I want to know why the school board doesn't know that. And I want to know why if they do, they're not adhering to it. Are they just pretending like you're never going to go figure it out? Well, it's been figured out. Here you go. That's it, right? I guess I'll never know what I missed on that first day of health class. Don't have sex. Because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? Okay, everybody take some rubbers. <laughs> That's about what sex education was for me in school. And that was, and, and then there was the additional pictures of uh, drawings of the penis and the vagina. Other than that, we're done. We were done, right? Here you go. This is what you got. This is what it's used for. <laughs> go to town. <laughs> Here's some rubbers, right? I mean, that was, (laughs) that was literally it, man. I don't know what to say about sex education when I was growing up. Um, but like I got three kids, everybody's okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm not confused. At least, at least I think I'm not confused. I'm not sure. I mean, like in my opinion, you know, I'm you know, I'm an older guy, right? So it's probably good if some young kids are listening to this, I think. But in my opinion, that's literally all your school should tell you about sex, right? I mean, it is the parents' responsibility to inform their children about these things, right? I mean, if, if they don't, well, did you have the sex talk with your parents, right? What did that sound like? You know, at least your parents were even allowed to try. Oops, look at that. Nobody was getting in their way while they were fumbling through this. And if you were confused, right, you asked your friend, hey, did your parents talk to you about sex? And the friend went, yeah. What did they, tell you? What did they say to you? They say this, oh my God, my parents said almost the same thing. Is there a meeting in town going on? Right? And that's really where you were at. That sounds, it sounds like a bunch of schools, and I mean the entire public education system in the lower 48s is breaking a law when they tell your kids beliefs and attitudes that are not based on curriculum or are intended to change the attitudinal characteristics 
of an individual or group. That's a quote from the law. Like, you know, trying to ameliorate a collective of children's mindsets to be more tolerable of the, of the teacher's political beliefs or lifestyles, especially as it pertains to a collective that the teacher belongs to. And what I mean by that is they're trying to get children to be softer about an attitude that the teacher has a, a connection to, right? So that they can be more inclusive. I, listen, I am not against inclusive, inclusivity training in children. I'm not. I just am against that when it, it includes things that those children are not ready for at the ages that it's being discussed, right? That's all. You know, at, at nine years old, I think we were getting the penis and vagina talk in school. And then somewhere around 16, we were, starting to, we were starting to deal with other stuff. Maybe 14, we were dealing with other stuff. And then 16, we did a couple of other things, you know? I think we watched that whole uh, beginning of life movie thing, you know? The cycle of life movie or the, where they show the baby being born. Oh, my God. Scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. You know, then they gave you the baby to carry around in school to make you responsible. Ugh. I know it sounds horrible, right? But that's what happened. You're supposed to want to prevent being pregnant before you want to want to have babies right not anything else right so we do what you want to do in life and no one judges you that's the point right no one is supposed to judge you but when you're doing what you want to do no one's supposed to judge you when you're making kids do it that's a whole other story all right so parents screaming about their kids being dragged to shows they feel are inappropriate are absolutely validated in feeling that way simply because of the regulations put in place. Like if you didn't, if you didn't have transphobia or uh, homophobia or any of that business that you wanted to call parents uh, at terrorists, you do, anything of that, just this law gives them the right to feel that way. So do you blame them after hearing this? If parents do not care what shows or events their eight-year-olds are taken to, then they should still be mad because this law is being broken. <laughs> That's all. It's not okay to break a law designed to give parents the exact control they need to prevent their children, uh, their own children, with, with, uh, from having a familiar morality that wasn't given to them at home. That's all. You know, regardless of what some childless fourth grader, grade 26-year-old teacher thinks about how your child should be raised by them for six hours. That's not fair. You know, I, I went to Reuters.com and got some information. You know, I was very surprised at Reuters about the information that they had and the way they handled this because I, I usually uh, equate Reuters with, um, with, with leaning a certain way that, that gives you more of one opinion than another. Have you guys seen this? It's a conditioner that you can leave in and it detoxifies the scalp. Wow, is that from Origins? Yeah, it's a charcoal-based thing. That hey, guys, you want to go throw the football around? Guys, can I talk to you over here for a second? Look, guys, a lot of the kids in school are talking, okay? And they're spreading rumors that we're not metrosexuals because we hang out with Kyle. Well, what can we do about it? We have no choice, you guys. We're just going to have to kill Kyle. Wow. That's a little drastic, huh? That's the kind of pressure kids face at school. I know. My daughters did it. They came home sometimes crying, right? And, uh, you know, we taught them, you know, that crying over somebody else's words was not, not really productive and uh, that other people's words were not really violence, okay? You know, not until somebody starts smacking you around do you need to worry about violence, okay? So before we go over a very recent, right, because we're halfway through the podcast, look at that. It's almost perfect timing. So before we go over a very recent real-life scenario, here are some astounding facts about children with transgender dysphobia, all right? And we're going to talk about this a little bit before we even go into this one little story 
And that happens to have, have happened here in Maine, of all places. There's only like 1.3 million people here. Go figure, right? So here are some astounding facts about children with transgender dysphobia. I did not make this up, okay? That's what it's called until affirmation is complete. And that means commitment to change the gender. So children with transgender dysphoria are called children with transgender dysphoria because until they are affirmed and until that affirmation is complete, that means their commitment to the gender is going to change, maybe, right? Okay. So in 2017, 15,172 cases in the United States. In 2018, 18,321. In 2019, 21,375. In 2020, 24,847. So I'm telling you that's 3,000 per year almost. Okay. Okay. That's a consistent number. Ready? 2021, 42,167. That's right. Right? Okay. Hello? You see what happened there? Look at the surrounding social aspects of that and tell me 20,000 new kids discovered gender dysphoria all on their own. Huh? That's all. Right? That's common sense. I'm sorry. That's a real number. You know, you know that's a lie, right? That, that didn't happen. What do you think? They've been hiding? That's impossible. They haven't been hiding. It's the only year where the number doubled. Every year, the increase has been 3K or less. Guess where the largest increases in this statistic are being influenced from? Oh, oh I'm going to tell you. California, 2015 to 2021, 3,000 children. New York, 2015 to 2021, 2,300 children. Massachusetts, 1,500 children. Pennsylvania, 1,800 children. Washington State, 2,000 children. That's 11,000 out of 18,000 new cases. But, okay, that's a concentration. So 7,000 cases from 45 states and 11,000 from five. That's weird, right? That's not good math, okay? That's not telling you anything about children. No, it's not. It's telling you something about the demographic with which they reside. That's what it's telling you, okay? So let's go over a real-life situation, and you can discern how you feel as a parent and if you do not have kids, you can discern how your parents would have felt. How about, is that fair? If you don't have children, I'm not asking you, you know, why you don't count. No, you do count. You had parents. You were a child, right? You have feelings. So just tell us how your parents would have felt. That's all. You can do that. Okay. So if you go to Yahoo News, right, there's a main mom that is demanding an investigation into her school. And here's why. Um, she found her 13-year-old daughter's chest binder. Notice I use the word found. Okay. Uh, and it smelled pretty bad, by the way, right? Because the child was hiding her efforts from her family. And this woman's daughter hadn't put the binder in the laundry. This woman's daughter had not put the binder in the laundry for weeks for fear of not create. Uh, it's a fear that was not created by her, in other words, right? Like, she's never not put her clothes in the laundry before. This one thing she chose not to put in the laundry and hide it from her parents to the point where it smelled. Okay. That's, her parents did not do that to her. Because they've never done that with any of her clothing before. That's not historical in the home. Okay. She, so she asked if she was wearing, the mother confronted her, of course, and she asked if she was wearing a chest binder. And the child said no. Uh, again, a fear that her mother did not give her, right? Because they've never had this conversation before. But then later on, she admitted she had one. And that's when, you know, real parenting comes into play. Because something the school system is, is telling this young lady is that she should be afraid of her mom for some reason and the decisions that she's making about her own sexuality. That's weird. You're not, child, children are not supposed to be afraid of those things. 
here we go. So mom says to her, I want, this is a quote, I want you to look, I want you to think long and hard. If there's anything else you want to share with me about this, she said, because I'm going to go to your friend's mom to see if that's where you really got this chest binder. Parenting, 101, right there. Hold them accountable, okay? I, I know, you know, not for nothing, but I'm still doing that to my adult children to the point where they become extremely uncomfortable, right? Because it's my right, like, like, you know, especially when they were not adults. That's when it's really, you know, a right. So the kid fesses up and she says, well, look, it came from my school. Okay, mom says, okay. And here's the scariest thing a parent can hear from their kid. Not, not that they, they want to transition, but that somebody knows this critical information and has, and, and, and has presented it to their child as a secretive and completely, per, and completely personal, regardless of their parents not being informed. So they are told to lie, and then they are validated for lying. And I want to know who teaches children to lie to their parents. You know, usually, I'm going to say it's child abusers who do that, right? Hey, don't, don't tell your mom we had, we had this fun time today, Okay. Right? Don't tell your mom we had this conversation. Right? You think that's not as dangerous? That certainly is. Okay, just saying. So this woman later learned early in the year, without her knowledge, that her daughter had been reassigned to a new show, a social worker at their school in Maine. And the social worker, she learned, had been advising her daughter about gender transitioning. And this man, uh, right, who's advising her daughter about gender tra- transitioning, provided her with a chest binder, telling the woman's daughter that, he would not tell her mother and that she didn't need to do it either. What? So the woman also learned that the school's personnel had been involved in socially transitioning her daughter to the point where they were referring to her by a new name with male pronouns. And mom didn't know. And the child's not telling her. Is that child really afraid of her mother? Or is the child's choice that she's making causing her to be afraid of her mother, right? What did her mother do? Woman's just being a parent. Okay, uh, how can you parent? How can you do that? Y- you can't parent that way. And how can you as a parent determine the social and antisocial aspects of your own child if they're being supported in secrecy to be secret by the very architects meant to protect the children from, guess what, secrecy. So what if this administrator had an idea that they could manipulate your child into abuse, right? I'm not saying that this administrator is any sexuality or any gender. It's just, it's just a man, okay? So what if this man, who's the, the administrator, had an idea that they could manipulate your child into abuse simply because they convinced you or the, your child to lie about a sexuality that they possibly don't understand? What is that scary or not? I think that's scary because predators are out there all over the school and I'm going to tell you what, lately, I've, I'm going to do a podcast on this, but lately I've been seeing predators that are females uh, sleeping with their male children, male, male students, rather. That's weird. I don't know. Been prevalent, and I, I can prove it. All right. So, so let's be more objective than it appears we're being, right? So some transgender activists, on the other hand, say parents are not entitled to know if their child wants to change their name and pronouns at school. They argue that the knowledge must be earned by the parents. And I'm just telling you what transgender activists say. Parents who don't immediately affirm their child's new gender identity are engaged in a form of abuse. That's what is being said. 
I'm, I'm going to give you a fat ass no on that, right? I'm, I, my, no, no way. I'm a parent. You're a parent. I do not earn anything from my children. In fact, my children have been told that in life they get two things for free from their father, respect and love. The first is yours to lose. The second is mine to destroy. Right? Either way, they have zero control over both as it pertains to me. So by assisting in a social transition and providing this woman's daughter with a chest binder, school officials were involving themselves in, a, in, in, in mental and physical health care decisions with long-term consequences that would likely impact her family. The school breaks the amendment to the FERPA law, which is, by the way, 98.4, protection of students' privacy in examination, testing, or treatment. You know, this is not hard, right? But, but parents aren't looking for this, nor do they know it exists. And if they do... They seem to be taking the school board's word on what it means when they spit it out at a local school board meeting. That's not acceptable, right? I mean, it also appears that the threat of suicide that the school administrators like to throw around is blatantly false. So in my research, I found one teen who has committed suicide over gender dysphoria or confusion in the past seven years. That's, that's right. They have, however, had thoughts of suicide. No one's denying that. As their self-identity becomes apparent or denied or even affirmed, nothing in the way of their sexuality can stop this depression in most cases, right? The only answer here is parental oversight. No parent should be ignorant to their child's gender choices. No parent should be kept in the dark or deliberately lied to to protect the child's choices. No child should be allowed to make life-altering decisions without a discussion involving a parent. And then it is the parent's right to remove the child from any situation they feel the child is in danger from, even if that's against the child's wishes. Why? Because they made that child, and they're responsible for the welfare of that child, and they are responsible for the child's unobservable future, which they have an exclusive right to mold. You know, whether society lies about the results or not. Being a parent, not a bystander, right? Don't do that. Don't, don't be a bystander while being a parent. We can't have that, okay? Um, subjugate everyone around you who interferes with your child's development as you have perceived that path to be. Because I promise you, you know, the more your child follows the leader the less they're going to think for themselves, right? Um, my girls are, are, are not, they're not, uh, they're not perfect. Nobody's children are perfect. I love them to death, but man, mistake after mistake is, is just it's painful to watch. You know, but we got to watch them, right? And that's the whole point. We have to watch our children. We have to not only watch them, but see them for who they are. It's difficult for parents to do that. They love you so much. They have an idea of what they want you to be. They have an idea of future, you know. And when your child says, nah, I don't want to do that. Sometimes, sometimes it's a shock to the parent's system. That's okay. It's okay, right? I, I, listen, I, I, wanted my, I want my girls to be president of the United States. President and Vice President Jogaya, right? That's what I want. That's what I want. It's not hard. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But they got their own pads. And I'm never, 
never going to interfere with that. Unless I start to see them getting stuck in the mud, right? And somebody needs to help them pull them out, right? Unless I, unless I see that the entire path they're trying to go through is full of mud and that all I'm going to be doing is pulling them out. <laughs> then you got to start watching out for your own sanity as a parent, right? And you got to start maybe helping them navigate a little bit. <laughs> but as your child is growing up, you know it. And I know it. You wouldn't leave them out in the street all by themselves and navigate a four-lane highway, right? Four-lane four lane avenue. You wouldn't do it. So life's a four-lane avenue. <laughs> That's all it is. And you're not supposed to let your child navigate that four-lane avenue until they're fast enough to actually get it done. <laughs> right? They don't even have to be smart enough. They literally just have to be fast enough. You know, sometimes I, uh, I like to end our podcast with a quote from a Stoic, from a philosopher, famous, right? Aristotle. Got a couple of things to say about kids, but there's always one that I, I like, this one, because it's truth and it's hurtful truth, right? It really is. Here it comes. Children are pathologically weak, physically disproportionate, and above all, irrational. They seem to be closer to animals than to a mature person. Yeah. Aristotle said that. Yeah, that's scary. Right? That, the beginning of that is scary, right? Children are, a, are pathologically weak, physically disproportionate, and above all, irrational. Yes. Yes, they are. And we are not those things as their parents. <laughs> and other people can become those things when they are invested in your child without living with that child and knowing who they are 24 hours a day. Okay? And you can't blame those people for doing it because they're there with your children all day long. No one's blaming you teachers or anybody for anything, right? What we're saying is there are rules and there are laws, and those things need to be handled properly and understood by everybody, including you, especially you, so that the kids can get the proper information they need and parents can get the truths they need and they can raise their children with them, okay? Thank you very much, folks. Are you Thank ready? you very much for listening to me today on things you're not supposed to talk about with Louis G. I had a good time talking about this very sticky subject. I hope you enjoyed the show.